to be too much in your face wherever you're sitting, so choose your seat carefully. I see uh, Reverend Mark Shaw there is making himself look very comfortable there. That's so. <laughs> Can we ask Mark you to come up and just open for us in prayer? Okay, folks, let's just, let's pray. Father, we just want to still our hearts before you um, because we want to hear what you have to say to us tonight uh, through the speaker, but also not just the speaker, but through your Holy Spirit, Father, as we worship. Um, may you encourage us in our hearts and may you refresh us in our souls. And Lord, May our hearts turn to you and exalt you in worship and praise. Because Lord, when we take our eyes off ourselves and our own weaknesses and our own problems, we start to look at you and we realize, God, that we're in good hands. So Lord, I pray, God, that you'd be with um, everything that's done tonight. Lord, everything that's done, everything that's sung and everything that's said, and may you use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're new to Life Lounge, welcome. It's uh, quite a relaxed affair, but we do get together with uh, the view to worshiping God. We'll be singing together. You can't beat a group of people who come together to sing songs, I'm convinced. Um, so for this first song, we're just going to remain in our seats and we're going to open our eyes to Jesus now uh, and remind ourselves that we are here to worship.
of our church service this morning. We had a lady called Linda Graham in the pulpit, and she's a counselor. And one of the things she said that stuck with me was, we don't listen enough. It's very important to listen. So I guess if I was to ask you to think of a certain thing tonight, it's to come with an open heart and let God speak to you through some of these songs. Listen, because some of the worship songs, that's how God talks. He will talk into your heart. It'll be, could be the, the song that you're not expecting to, but please come to worship now with an open mind and an open heart. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no Street. 
stand for this one. If you're able to, please feel free to stand with us. <laughs> one day when heaven is filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be,
So I hope for a few of you, you will, or for most of you, will recognize Ray Alexander here. Yep. Um, and since Life Lounge is all about connecting and reconnecting, uh, we just take the opportunity to try and uh, reconnect with people. We're used to seeing so much around church, but actually there's always a narrative, there's always a story behind that person, behind that face. And we've had some fascinating people here in the city. Uh, and one less than yourself, Ray. So, <laughs> so much, so little time. So if you think Ray's looking extremely relaxed, it's because he's just recently retired. Yeah. So, um, Ray, I'll, I'll not say anything about what you do. You'll be telling us about that. But all I'll say is that she's from the nursing fraternity. But I'll let Ray take it from there. Um, so I retired in March. I, my role was um, Band 6 Deputy Sister in theatres in the City Hospital of Belfast. And I trained in the city, started in 88, started my job in 91. And um, because I had a bit of a career history before that, once I had done my training in the city and felt part of that team, I thought, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. And so I stayed where I was. I felt that the care we gave um, was compassionate and the team worked well together. And so I stayed in promotion rather than moving away. Just interrupt you there. Did you actually start straight in at nursing from six? Or <laughs> was, there a, was there a story that took you to, to the nursing side? So, um, my mum was a nurse and she worked in Crawfordsburn Hospital and she came to the hospital when it was a children's hospital. Um, I'm, I'm hazy with the dates and all. I can't check because mummy died whenever I was 32, so a lot of these things that you only think about afterwards, then you can't fill in the gaps. So um, it then uh, became a geriatric hospital. Oh, sorry, uh, care of the elderly, and um, she in the end became a sister and a nursing officer. So how did I come to nursing? My mum was a nurse, and. Um, I went to a grammar school which kind of was steering you to be a doctor, a solicitor or a teacher and none of those things particularly appealed to me. Um, I was very artistic and that was what I thought I wanted to do but I remember being at a careers talk with my parents sitting across the desk from the art teacher who said seriously it's a waste of time, do not do art no qualification in art is going to be any use to you whatsoever, don't do it. So in our school it was viewed as like a hobby for the ladies to do and uh, not a career pathway. So I was also interested in languages and then at that time that was the direction I went then. Um, and I went to college business studies, I did a bilingual course there. And at that time, the common market was a new thing. And it was one graduate job in Belfast, and uh, that was it. So I went to London to get a job using my languages in business. I worked at Covent Garden in a publishing company for two years. A uh, friend from school came over as well. We shared a flat, but we became very disillusioned with city life, having been used to life in Northern Ireland. When we went out in the evening, 
it was just the two of us went out and the two of us came back and we talked to each other and that was it and we couldn't get over this business that you wouldn't engage with other people wherever you happened to be because we were used to the you know how many degrees of separation are there in northern ireland from someone you actually know you want to go home knowing that you have spoken to someone who knew your granny's auntie's cousin's cat you know and then you've had a good night out so um we we went at that time i remember there was a movie our local hero with tom conte and burt lancaster i think was in that and uh, all about a small town in in scotland a village which was part of the oil boom and all the oil company coming there and there was a scene in it where they were having a keely in a village hall and everybody was dancing away and the whole of the cinema in London was roaring with laughter at how banal this was. And the two of us just sat and looked at each other and it was like, yeah, we got to go home. We, this was what we, we felt comfortable with and we thought everybody looked like they were having a great night and we should, we should go home. So we did. Came home, I worked in a publishing company here and then an advertising company here. But in, in those places... I was always drawn to the art department and felt that that was where I wanted to be and felt very frustrated as I was at that time then a PA to the managing director of one of the companies and I came home one day, this time was married and um, I had been, my job that day had been to get sandwiches from Marks and Spencers for a meeting to take my boss's ties to the dry cleaners and I came home and I said to my mum, Mommy, I don't know where I've gone wrong. I should have been a nurse. And I had, of course, Brian, I've discussed this with Brian. I had, um, when I was leaving school, I had applied to nursing when I was about 17 and had got a place. But I had worked with Mommy in the hospital one summer as a nursing auxiliary. And it nearly killed me. And I thought, there's no way I am doing this. I was slaughtered. So I stayed on and I, I, I did my other qualifications, but I then said to her at that point, uh, having come home from London and so on, no, I, I, I've done, I should have been a nurse. And she was a very pragmatic, a very determined woman. <laughs> and she said to me, well, why, do it now. Why don't you do it now? So that's what I did. Okay. Now, Ray, you're keeping your light under it bushel here and uh, what you may not know about Ray is that the nursing career took her to basically the front line cutting edge stuff in um, ICU intensive care unit as a theatre nurse uh, and that requires a high degree of management skills and knowledge and then of course there was the nightmare of Covid. Um, now what I'd like you to do for us Ray is not necessarily get into stories about Covid but Paint for us a picture of what it's like for a nurse like yourself to be getting up in the morning and facing that horror every day. Well, um, obviously, as everybody knows, COVID sort of came like a boulder rolling down a hill and it hit us all. Um, I remember um, in work being told that as part of the Belfast Trust, we would be the fourth hospital in line to receive any COVID patients. So we were sorted. 
we, it was going to be a long time before anything came anywhere near us. And I remember saying this to the, over the fence to neighbours one night, um, and we were going to be fine. And then I think it was the very next day on the news, it was announced that the uh, city hospital was the Nightingale Hospital. We got no warning at all. And so my job was in theatres. My, during my training, you didn't get any training on intensive care. That's a specialist area as well. Um, but we were told we were being redeployed because we worked alongside the anaesthetists. So we were the closest staff that they could pick who had any transferable skills. So we were upskilled, although some people hated that terminology because we already had our own skills. But one afternoon, we were taken into a large empty ward. They had seven stations for us to go down. And over three hours, we were shown, this is a ventilator. This is how it works. This is a such and such. This is how it works. Here's a handout. This is a, here's a handout. And there's a link. You can go home and learn about it. And that was what we got to prepare us to go into ICU. So um, at that time, it was so new to everybody. The whole PPE thing was new. And the, the city hospital closed down completely. It was empty. The patients were cleared out. Our um, maintenance works department went through the place creating new doorways, new corridors, so that we could have and then in and out, and um, that we could have clean and, and so green and red areas, but the hospital became a red zone. So there were no other patients and no other staff in the hospital. And at that point then, of course, the whole of the countryside had been closed down. So you got up in the morning to go to work on empty roads. It was eerie beyond belief. There was nobody on the road except me. And when you got as far as Belfast and those big overhead signs telling you, you know, stay safe, stay home. And I thought, I'm driving into the jaws of this. Everybody else is at home in their beds. And, and this is what lies ahead for me. And I had said to Brian the other day that the whole putting on of your PPE initially was... Like what, what goes what goes first? Which goes where? It was like dressing up for a fancy dress. We had big mirrors put up so you could stand. There was a poster to show you what was meant order that it was all meant to go on in, and then you could look in the mirror to see if your picture matched the picture in the poster. And when you went into ICU, you had several doors to go through, and then you were in, and everybody else inside looked like a Dalek, and so did you. There was no way to distinguish one person from another. And I was saying to Brian that in theatres, whole, the whole ethos of theatres is working as a team, knowing who's on your team, your skill mix, uh, and working together like that. Whereas in ICU, it's very much one patient, you know, one nurse, one patient. And obviously, the teams were totally broken down. So it was very scary. You didn't know who else was in there, with all these bodies, until you'd bump into somebody, squint at them, suddenly recognize their eyes, and then realize, oh my goodness, this is somebody I work beside every day. And then you were hugging each other until, as I said to Brian, some genius came up with the super idea of having sticky labels 
of the PPE bit and you put a big label on your chest with your name on but it was amazing how long it took to get over all those things because it was all so new. I mean, that's, that's just a huge challenge. I mean, we don't know the half of it really. Um, <laughs> what about your faith, your walk of faith in all of this? How was that challenged uh, during that time of your life? Well, I, um, Brian asked me, did I want to shake my fist at God? And no, I didn't at all. I never thought that. And I think I just drew on this resilience that I had experienced from my mum. And um, what could you do? And um, funny enough, um, although hospitals are full of all aspects of life and death, you don't often get a sense of a faith or there's not that, it's all such a scientific area that there's not that sense of spirituality the majority of the time, uh, certainly not in theatres which is almost like a closed shop and even my experience of the wards is very old but when a chaplain or someone would come they would always go into a ward and close the door and any demonstration of faith doesn't happen you know so um it, it, it just i felt inside that that this was my job this was the road i had gone down and then at one point in the ppe room someone put up this poster which says perhaps this is the moment for which you have been created, which is from Esther 4, 14. And that was there, beside all those posters showing you what you should look like. And um, certainly, as Peter says to me, that's, that's the moment that my mum was there, you know. Obviously, it's it's very traumatic. Even it's, you still feel raw about it. You know, it's, it's still it's all part of your 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 makeup now, and your 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 genealogy. Um, you've now moved into a much more relaxed time of life. I mean, uh, it has been traumatic. I can see that it has been traumatic to to live and to work with that day and daily. But it's probably just as traumatic as well to step away from it. You know, because this has been your momentum for the most, the greater part of your life, um, has been difficult to to retire at a stage when COVID came along. So much was demanded of you, and then suddenly it stops. And do you feel as if you're taking a breath of fresh air, or have you fallen off a cliff, or have you taken up kayaking? <laughs> I mean, what are you, what are your plans now for the for the future? Yes, well, um, briefly, it, it did seem strange. It, it seemed to get to the point where it was the circle of life that we, we were, once we get through the worst of COVID and we went back to theatres and we were starting to resume doing lists again, it seemed to be that there were just a lot of, um, this was the movement that the senior staff who'd come to this point were all just thinking, okay, well, I've done my bit. And I, certainly I felt, um, I had no intention of retiring, 
But it certainly did get to the point where I thought, right, well, I've now done 33 years of this, and actually, this is going to be a good time to go. You know, there's fresh ideas, and as I said to you, there's on that <laughs> hamster wheel, there's always another hamster coming along behind you to take, take over. And um, there became a sense of that, and it was it was time to go. So um, at the moment, um, Peter's fabulous because he says, "Well, you missed that COVID summer when we were all out planting tomatoes and and living in the garden and having barbecues. You were stuck in COVID ICU. So take the entire summer and do your tomatoes or do whatever you want to do. Actually, paddleboarding, sea swimming is what I want to do, and I'll think about it after that. But um, the joy of no 5.30 alarm, uh, being able to wear nail polish, my engagement ring, you know, that every week has seven evenings and seven nights to be at home, not at work. Um, every month has four weekends in it. It's great. <laughs> you mentioned the circle of life, but I happen to know from our conversation that the art has reared its head again. Yeah. And you'd really like to get into that again. Yes, that's something I was always interested in and have always made things and I have. Um, now that Luke has um, moved all his uni stuff out of the spare room, I have moved in all my crafting stuff. So the place is coming down with paints, wool, sewing machines, material. My mother-in-law is a great sewer, so she's, in, she, <laughs> she's a secret hoarder and just has, has an enormous stash of fabrics that she keeps passing my way to get me to get on with something. Well, look, Ray, I thank you so much for sharing all of this with us tonight. Um, it's always good to get a glimpse into someone else's life. You know, as I say, half the time we don't know the half of it. Um, thank you so much. Uh, and we do wish you all the best for whatever's ahead of whatever art world you move into. Don't forget us. Um, now, I did ask uh, Ray... Ray did she have a favourite song, you know, that sort of sums up that, that era in her life? And we're about to sing it just now. And Ray won't tell you this because uh, she didn't want to, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just quite simply, if there was a song that, that summed up that whole difficult experience of being at the cutting edge, the, the front line of COVID, it's this next song. It's a familiar song, but it'll be interesting to to sing this song now with this different narrative that goes with us. Ray, thank you very much. So we're just going to sit for this one as we reflect and then we'll maybe stand for the one after.
if you're able to, please stand with us for the next one. Um, it should be one that you all know, hopefully, pretty well. It's an older one.
meeting and pray. Father, we praise you. You are worthy. And we want to offer up our praises and thankfulness to you this evening. Thank you for Beret and for her story and for what we can learn from it. Teach us and help us to listen. Show us your way, Lord, so that we can be made whole in you and be the best that we can be in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're just going to close this evening in, in one more worship song. Um, it seems to be coming a, a firm favorite of Lifeline, so forgive us if this is the 10th the time you've heard this. 
And this one is called Thank You Jesus for the Blood. Please stand with us for this one.
Amen to that. Thank you for coming to, to Life Lounge this evening, and I hope you have a great week ahead of you.